The Sundance Film Festival starts on January 20th and runs for 10 days. During that time, Pure Nonfiction will put out five episodes interviewing filmmakers in the festival. You can subscribe to our newsletter at purenonfiction.net to stay up to date. Our coverage during Sundance is sponsored by National Geographic Documentary Films. The Hollywood Reporter calls the first wave breathtaking. One of the most important documentaries of all time, raves Music City Drive-In. Nominated for Best Documentary Feature by the PGA and winner of IDA's prestigious Per Lorenz Award, director Matthew Heinemann's The First Wave spotlights everyday heroes inside one of New York's hardest-hit hospital systems during the first weeks of the pandemic. For your consideration for Best Documentary Feature, The First Wave, now streaming on Hulu. The documentary Fire of Love profiles the French couple Katia and Maurice Kraft, who devoted their lives to studying volcanoes until they perished from one. I speak with the film's director, Sarah Dosa. I'm Tom Powers, and this is Pure Nonfiction. Katia and Maurice Kraft traveled the world documenting volcanoes. They took photographs and films, conducted scientific studies, wrote books, and encouraged governments to make plans for evacuation. They died in 1991 when they were documenting an eruption at Japan's Mount Unzen. Before they met as college students, Katia and Maurice were each volcano-obsessed as individuals. Katia was a geochemist and Maurice a geologist. Over the next two decades, they would travel to over 150 volcanoes. Katia took still photos and Maurice filmed on 16mm, capturing explosions, lava rivers, and landscapes that are otherworldly. Fire of Love makes extensive use of their footage, along with archival interviews and animation. The filmmaker Sarah Dosa researched the lives of Katia and Maurice by conducting background interviews with their close associates. She creates a film essay reflecting on love, risk, and exploration. She wrote the narration with her editors and producer that's read by Miranda July. They devour each hypothesis, each myth, everything that has been gleaned so far from the archives of the Earth. The truths, the fragments, the questions. They wonder what forms and reforms the world. To these mysteries, they long to get closer. Fire of Love plays in the U.S. competition at Sundance and was chosen as one of the opening night selections. I reached Sarah at her home in Berkeley, California. She told me she first heard of Katia Maurice when she was making her previous film, the Seer and the Unseen, about an Icelandic grandmother who believes in elves. Uh, that film starts out with kind of this um, magic realist fable about the settling of Iceland. And we were looking for archival footage of volcanoes to tell that story that had kind of a sense of, of time and place and datedness. And um, we came across Katja and Reese's, uh footage. And the more we learned about them as time went on, the more we were just drawn to them as these fabulously fascinating characters. Um, 
but that was kind of like the first point of entry with, with Katia and Maurice. And then how did you uh, get permission to, uh, to make a film about them and gain access to all their incredible footage? Yeah, so we started researching um, the archival house. We, we were trying to figure out where their, their vast archive lived. We, we knew that they had shot hundreds of hours um, and that they had changed hands through the years. But um, uh, Ina Fitchman, one of our producers, ended up um, getting in contact with Image Est, this archival house in Nancy, France and was able to negotiate uh, access for us, um, which was absolutely thrilling. Once we started to get, uh, basically Image Est would send us batches about, I would say like 15 to 20 reels um, every few weeks. They would scan them and then send them over their FTP server and we would download them and it just, it really felt like, uh, yeah, like, like these incredible presents were, were being received and, and delivered. and. This was all during the pandemic, of course, when we couldn't travel. And so it was this incredible gift to be transported through Maurice and Katia's footage. And then we went to France about two months ago and spent some time with Bertrand Kraft, Maurice's brother. Um, and it was just absolutely wonderful to, to get some time with him and to hear stories about Maurice and Katia from, you know, their family. So um, I watched the little Meet the Artist uh, video that you that's on the Sundance uh, website with you. And, and in that, you say that mostly this is a film about love. Um, and I wonder what it is that stands out to you about the, the love between Katya and Maurice. Oh, wow. I, I could speak for a long time about this. So I'll, try, I'll try to make my, my comments brief. Um, I think I, I first, I think, got inspired to make a film about love because of a quote I read from Maurice, where um, he writes, Katya, me and volcanoes, it's a love story. And that quote now is at the very end of the film. But when I read that, it initially struck me as like, this is a love triangle film. Um, it's a story about Katya and Maurice's love for each other, but also volcanoes as this missing piece. Like there wouldn't be Katya and Maurice if there wasn't volcanoes in a way, and we wouldn't know what we know about volcanoes if it wasn't Katya and Maurice. So um, that idea of a love triangle was really exciting uh, at the outset of the project. And that was kind of our, one of our greatest aims in making the film was to structure the film as this kind of the telling of a love story, but specifically with this triangle at its heart. Um, but there was a couple different ways that we wanted to go about doing that. And one of the ways was through this idea um, of scientific research uh, as understanding the planet and understanding as a conduit to love. Um, uh, and so that's something in Maurice and Katya's quest, you know, their, their whole life's journey is about trying to understand this massive force um, that to them ultimately is, it's unknowable. Uh, and that's something at every turn, they, they think that they know volcanoes, but then something happens and, and they realize just how vast the mystery is, but they still go towards that. Um, and that is love. It's, it's, it's the going towards the thing that you um, are so passionate about, even if you can never quite reach that place. And, and so that was something that um, was really exciting to us um, as filmmakers and as storytellers. Um, and it was just something too that uh, felt so true to Maurice and Katya's spirit. Um, they were just so absolutely in love, uh, intoxicated and enchanted by the earth that that was something we, we really thought that kind of the narrative structures of a love story could bring, um, could, could help to really highlight uh, that uh, in a meaningful way.
it's, uh, so in the in the voiceover of the film that's read by Miranda July, there's a line uh, where uh, she says, "As in love, there are mysteries. You fall hard for what you know, and harder for what you don't." Um, and I, I wonder what are the mysteries about this story that you know that draw you in and and maybe continue to fascinate you. Yeah, so there's a number of mysteries that really fascinated us, um, and thematically, we we're hoping that those mysteries could all kind of come together and resonate off each other. Um, one of the mysteries uh, is kind of the mystery of the archives and the mystery of trying to make sense of people's lives who have passed. Um, for, for me, my past work as a director has been largely verite, and I've gotten to know my subjects um, uh, in, a, in a very kind of personal way. And I've, um, getting to listen to them, getting their active participation in the film has always been a really important part of my process. And in this film, you know, Maurice and Katya passed away 30 years before we ever met them. And so as a team, we were really trying to figure out, um, yeah, how, how to listen to people who have passed, um, how to make sense of their story when there are so many discrepancies. Um, you know, in the, in the film, for example, there's three different stories about how they met. Um, and, um, and we don't quite know which one actually is true. And so that left a mystery. Um, there is all of these pieces of their archive. Uh, you know, we, we would get one reel, which would have you know, three volcano shots and then a shot of an iguana and then a shot of like a horse and then a shot of Katya, like putting on a bracelet. And it's like, what, how do these things make sense? Um, throughout kind of researching their archives, we came into contact with all of these questions that really illuminated this fascinating life, but we couldn't quite make sense of it. Um, and there was something beautiful in that mystery to us, um, which then, of course, in our minds, dovetailed with the idea of volcanoes as this mystery, um, uh, a science that's so remote and so challenging and so dangerous that very few people dare to go towards and especially dare to go as close as Katya and Maurice did. So um, there's so much unknown um, about volcanoes, even though it's, it's literally the, the lifeblood of our planet. Um, and, you know, it was that mixed mystery, too, that Maurice and Katya made the, the center of their, their life and their inquiry. Um, and then kind of the third mystery is, as, as you said in, in the quote that prompted this question, it's, it's about love. As, you know, this unknowable, baffling, enchanting, powerful force, I hope the audience kind of is left with this larger idea um, that there are these vast unknowns, but it's the process of going towards the unknown that can reveal the beauty of asking the questions as well as kind of the power of love. We talk about Katya and Maurice as a couple so much that I wonder what you learned about them as individuals. I understand Katya to be a deeply inquisitive, um, big-hearted, um, soft-spoken, but very strong individual who um, approached her work with a kind of methodological rigor um, that really defined her as a scientist and later on in her career as, um, as, as, a, very, as a dedicated photographer. Um, she, from kind of all the interviews we had of, of those who were close to her as well as kind of um, in, in the books and in work, uh, she was extremely detail-oriented and also delighted in those details. Um, and I really feel like you sense that delight and those details in her work and her photography. Um, she also, she was the primary author of a lot of their books and 
her voice in the books is so, it's like wonderfully hyperbolic. Uh, it fits volcanoes. It has like a volcanic spirit to it. Um, there's all kinds of wild adjectives everywhere. And you, you really kind of sense the passion. It's diaristic and it's poetic at once. Um, and I, I feel like I got to know her through her writing uh, in, in the process of making this film. Um, Maurice um, is different in that Maurice was... Um, known to be a far more bombastic character. Uh, he um, was fascinated by the, you know, by the scientific, but my understanding of him was, was the experience of being amid kind of the power of nature that he, he was um, intoxicated by it. Uh, um, he was absolutely addicted to the thrill of risk and wanted to like go, go, go. He kind of reminds me of like a Kerouacian hero in some sense of just wanting to burn as madly as possible to get close to the fire of volcanoes. Um, he had an encyclopedic mind. People always talk about him as like furiously spouting off facts about geology and, and volcanoes and, and also philosophy. Um, he liked to be a provocateur also and really loved to do what people told him not to do. And so that, of course, caused him and Katya to have conflict, which we speak to as much as we can in the film. When you talk to people who knew them um, and to other volcanologists, um, how do how are they seen by other volcanologists? They're, um, Katya and Maurice are seen um, in a couple different ways. I, most of the people we spoke to speak about them with tremendous fondness. Uh, as you know, with um, and crediting Maurice and Katya for kind of igniting an early passion uh, for volcanoes in their own lives. Um, some of them first got to know volcanoes because they read a book by Maurice and Katya or saw one of the conferences that they put on. Um, and they also kind of acknowledged just the vast um, data that they contributed to the field of volcanology. Um, since they dared to go so close, they were able to not just film you know, and, and create, you know, put to eternity the ephemeral phenomenon that is volcanic eruptions, but they brought back samples too, which proved incredibly valuable for the early field of volcanology. So um, they're very much celebrated for that kind of pioneering work. Um, some people though very much say that they uh, were controversial because they dared to go so close. Um, they were known to push past the, the safety lines, you know, that were established by governments and authorities. Um, and, uh, and some people argue that that set a really dangerous precedent for getting close to, um, you know, such a violent eruption, for example. So, um, and in, in their death, uh, 41 other people passed away on Mount Unzin in 1991. Um, and some people were very critical of Maurice and Katya because since they went so close, other people, um, it's, it's mostly journalists who, who died in the eruption too, they said, okay, Maurice and Katya know what they're doing. They're that close. That means we can go that close too. Um, and so people did kind of push past the, the safety mark. Um, so there's some controversy for sure, but I think it's uh, pretty well agreed upon that their work um, was absolutely pioneering and contributed to a lot of what we know today um, as, uh, you know, in terms of the science of, of volcanoes. Uh, you described in the film that th their first experience with mass death from a volcano was in 1977 in uh, Zaire, uh, Mount uh, Niragongo, if I'm saying that right, um, that killed hundreds of people. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, later, Katya uh, bore witness the aftermath of a volcano in Colombia that killed 
tens of thousands of, uh, of people in mudslides. Um, I, I wonder how you, you know, balanced the, the real death and destruction that volcanoes um, can cause versus the, the more romantic side of uh, chasing volcanoes, which, um, which is kind of ever present in the footage and, and in the story. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we wanted to, um, we, we see kind of both the creative side of volcanoes as well as the destructive side as, as kind of the process of falling in love in a way, and also the process of, of going about scientific research in that, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of the film, we, we wanted to structure it, structure kind of, uh, or tell a story about like the, the dreaminess, the momentum that comes with falling in love. And, and that's very much mirrored Maurice and Kachi's experience romancing volcanoes running around the world, um, really getting close to, to, uh, kind of, um, to red volcanoes, which are less dangerous, even though they're of course all dangerous. Um, but they, they were kind of blinded, um, in a way they of course, hypothetically knew about destructive volcanoes in the mass death. They were very, you know, well-researched. They knew about, um, you know, uh, Mount Pele, which killed, I believe it was 28,000 people in 1902. They knew about Pompeii, um, but they kind of bypassed these and uh, in a way um, that uh, once they experienced it firsthand in, in Irigongo in 1977 um, was profoundly disillusioning. Um, and of course, they were devastated to, to see the loss of life on a human level. And as scientists too, it's, it's, it's that reckoning of, um, of really coming to terms with the, the vastness of the unknown um, realizing that they thought they knew volcanoes. They thought they understood specifically how this type of volcano, um, a red volcano moved. They had thought that they took the form of valleys, but in this case, it was more like a, a like a flash flood. Um, and so it was disillusioning in terms of kind of everything that they had researched up until that point as well. Um, but so that's kind of a point for us that um, even though it was incredibly destructive, it still feels romantic in a way because it's part of the the story of love of of that like reckoning with the the it's, it's kind of like when you when you understand like a deeper side or a darker um, more sinister um, character in, in the person you've fallen in love with or um, you realize something about humanity that you never reckoned with before it, it's that kind of that uh, realization that comes with pain that is so much of the process of love. The, the footage that they captured is so astonishing. The first time I'd ever encountered it was in Werner Herzog's film, uh, Into the Inferno. And even just like the short segment he had uh, about them, you know, made me want to know more. And you describe in the film that Maurice was almost self-deprecating about his filmmaking or kind of uh, downplayed it. From what I can tell, the, 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 the films that they made in the 70s and 80s were kind of more in a educational uh, format, or there wasn't really space for the more artistic kind of documentary that um, that is more commonplace uh, today. I mean, I wonder what you understand about his relationship to to filmmaking. Yeah. So Maurice, yeah, in in the film, Maurice says, "I'm not a filmmaker. I only make films in order to wander." and but I, I think that's absolutely not true. You, you really sense in the cinematography a deep engagement which, with, um, with the natural world. Um, it's very clear in my mind uh, from the compositions as well as the closeness that, that he is absolutely after um, kind of the illustration of power. 
and the power, you know, thus the power of the earth. Um, uh, and also just, um, it's important to keep in mind that he was largely shooting on 16 millimeter, which it's such a profoundly different technology than we're used to today. Um, the level of setup that it required, um, the delicacy of, of setting up the shot, the fact that, you know, <laughs> you have this tiny window to imagine these vast landscapes. It took such precision and fluency with the technology that you had to be a, a craftsperson in order to really work with it. So um, that really kind of helps me to, to even more put into perspective just kind of the level of detail and precision that went into um, Marisa's cinematography. Um, a lot of his friends and collaborators would speak about his insatiable need to get the shot too, which is something we, we put into the film. Um, he he really had this sense of like, he had to capture everything from every angle. And so he was always on the move. Um, he was so kind of hungry, um, yeah, to, to, to grasp that one instant and, and to set it to eternity in a way that uh, I feel like you can feel in, in his cinematography too. There's, there's um, it might sound weird, but I like sense the hunger in it. Like I, I really feel like when I look at his compositions, uh, there's a desire to like get as close as possible that I think is born out of that, that need to really cover every shot. Um, and for Katya in, in her still photography, she, her, when she was a kid, actually, she was, um, she loved painting and, uh, and uh, fine arts and was a quite a talented artist. And I feel like you see that actually in her still photography, there's absolutely beautiful and artistic compositions there that, feel romantic and, and poetic and whimsical. Um, so the two of them kind of really complement each other and just kind of the artistry that they bring to the craft. I want to ask you about writing the script for this because uh, you, you know, you're not afraid to be a little philosophical, a little poetic uh, in the script writing. You, what was that process like? Yeah, it was wonderful. So uh, yeah, um, I wrote it with um, my producer Shane Boris and my two editors, uh, uh, Aaron Casper and, and Jocelyn Chapu. Um, we we always knew we needed a narrator for this film because one one of the vast the great challenges of making this film was that again there were so many unknowns. Uh, there was no sound, for example, to any of the sixteen millimeter footage, and so. Um, special, actually, shout out, I should say, to Aaron and Jocelyn, our editors, because they created these whole soundscapes before we even got to the sound mix, which was such an important part of our process. But um, we knew we needed a narrator, and we needed to figure out how we were going to develop kind of that voice. Um, we uh, first, let's see how to describe the writing process. Um, Shane, Boris, um, one of my producers, and I spent... Uh, we decided to have kind of a writing retreat where we first kind of created the, this whole outline for the film, which was very much kind of in line with like the telling of a love triangle story, which was a fabulously fun and kind of, uh, I felt like we really kind of created the map for the film in, in that early writing retreat. Um, and we started contemplating what, what the voice of the narrator would be. Um, but it really is like, once we started to get into the edit, uh, we, um, we tried kind of initially just expository writing to guide the plot, and we very quickly realized that wasn't going to work at all. Um, we were inspired by a lot of French New Wave films, which kind of formed the, the cultural landscape that uh, Maurice and Katia came of age in, and specifically kind of the narration in uh, films like um, you know, Jules and Jim, uh, the narration in Sans Soleil, which is very different than Jules and Jim, but um, really poetically engages these themes about time and place. Um, 
and love. Um, so we were trying to really kind of fill our brains with uh, examples of narration that um, could feel poetic and playful. Um, but first, um, we, we realized that since there were so many unknowns, our, we wanted our narrator to be inquisitive. Um, we wanted uh, a narrator who could kind of provoke at the questions and the mysteries almost from the margins rather than have be some sort of voice of God with all the answers because we didn't have all the answers. Um, and so uh, that kind of, that, that helped to kind of guide and, and shape our, our voice. Um, we created kind of a, a backstory <laughs> too um, to, to help guide us. Um, we imagined maybe our narrator was an archivist uh, who worked at a science library um, in Paris. We had a whole backstory that, that helped us kind of um, tease out some of the, the perspective of the writing to, to make sure it felt cohesive. Um, then, I, yeah, there's so many different twists and turns to it. But we, of course, wanted to figure out who our narrator actually was going to be. And Miranda July um, kind of uh, felt like such... We, she's an artist who I have loved for a very long time, um, we realized kind of once her name kind of came up as like, what about Miranda? We realized in a way we had been writing for her the whole time without realizing it because she has this incredible curiosity and like this stunning intimacy to her own work, which was something that we really wanted for our narrator to have. I think our first recording was in early December. And it was one of those things where it just was a magical experience um, to hear the richness of her voice, kind of the she has like this um, vulnerability and strength all at once and this like secretive quality. Um, she brought so much to, to the film. If you had the chance to interview Katya and Maurice uh, today, what, what are the questions that you'd want to ask them? I think I would ask them. I think I would ask them to tell me about love to really like ask what, what love means to each of them. Um, I, I know through like seeing how they shot volcanoes, um, but I've never heard them actually articulate it. Um, aside from Maurice, that quote where he says, you know, for me, Katya and volcanoes, it is a love story. But I think I'd really love to hear the, the words that they put to just the meaning of, of love. Um, I think that that's a, definitely a question I'd love to ask them. thanks Sarah Dosa for speaking with me. Her film Fire of Love is premiering at the Sundance Film Festival and is seeking a distributor. Our Sundance coverage is sponsored by National Geographic Documentary Films. We have four more podcast episodes from the festival rolling out in the coming days. Thanks to our team, series producer Hannah Norden-Swan and web designer Cross Strategy. Our theme music is composed by Andre Williams, and our executive producer is Raphael Nehausen. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pure Nonfiction. I'm Tom Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at T-H-O-M Powers. You can read our show notes and sign up for our newsletter at purenonfiction.net. Thank you.